Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. How are you? It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this program, you are more than welcome to call in. Phone lines are open and operators are standing by. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about liars and the lies that they tell among other things. By the way, you should know that the White House spin right now, this is happening as we speak. They're, they're, they're trying to claim that uh, Kevin McCarthy has covered up his deal with the conservatives to become speaker. And instead of asking Biden questions about documents, people should be asking uh, Kevin McCarthy about his deal with conservatives, trying to turn the tables. It's almost too obvious. We'll have a list of the, the uh, hacks in the press corps when they do turn the tables and try to try to delve into that, considering Biden's the one who told him to do it. But I got to deal with this. You got to this, this, well, let's just, let's get into this. Douglas Wise, uh, he was a intelligence official, former defense intelligence agency deputy director He was one of the 51 uh, intelligence members who issued the public letter October 19th, 2020, five days after the New York Post began reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop to assure the public it was Russian disinformation. All of us figured that a significant portion of that content had to be real to make any Russian disinformation credible, said Wise, who didn't respond when the New York Post reached out for an explanation in March of last year, but found his tongue when he spoke to the Australian uh, publication, The Australian. In other words, the former deputy of the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency and others, he essentially acknowledges they knew a lot of the stuff on Hunter Biden's laptop was true. Their presumption was that some of it was not true, but that a lot of it had to be true to make the Russian disinformation credible. And it turns out it wasn't Russian disinformation at all. It was all true. You will recall this letter was used to get the New York Post's account turned off on Twitter and gave the media credibility to ignore the Hunter Biden laptop. And now one of the people who signed the letter saying it was Russian disinformation, admits he knew a good part of it, good part of it was real. There's another story. And this one does have to be nuanced a little bit. More and more public health officials, including Lena Wynn, the former head of Planned Parenthood, who's been a CNN healthcare person, acknowledges the United States overcounted COVID deaths. Now, there is some nuance here because in the beginning, they weren't. And that's something you've got to, got to understand. This is very much like the mask stuff. The data over time began shifting as the virus evolved. And we all acknowledge the virus has evolved in various ways. And in the beginning... Doctors and hospitals were actually doing a pretty good job of saying this person did die of COVID. Yes, they had cancer, but their death was of COVID. But it got to the point, and it does appear 
It was when the government started paying bonuses to hospitals to handle COVID that a lot of hospitals started saying, yeah, this person who got shot in the head with a bullet tested positive for COVID, so we're going to list it as a COVID death. There was a point in time where they were doing the legitimate work, and then they weren't. And there are a lot of people who believe masks never worked, and maybe that's the case. But originally, the it's not really disputed if you read the research that originally the viral particulate size at which COVID spread uh, spread at a much higher size of particle. And over time, as the virus evolved, it became a much smaller particle. And it is very arguably true that at one point masks worked and then they stopped working because the virus had figured out a way through mutation and evolution to travel in a much smaller, smaller particle of water vapor to the point that masks really don't work at this point. Even the N95 masks, unless properly sealed, don't really work at this point. And there's some debate over whether or not they work at all. And there are some people who say, well, they never worked, and some who say they don't. I I tend to go with the research that says at one point they did, but our public health officials have very dogmatically refused to acknowledge the evolution of the virus and the changes, and it has built up a level of misinformation and distrust. Whether we're dealing with COVID or with Hunter Biden's laptop or with scores of other stories in the press, including the Steele dossier and the like, we are seeing a recurring pattern of experts who double down on statements of facts that turn out to be lies. And only later, in hindsight, when they're fully exposed, are they willing to admit they were lying? In some cases, what they said originally was true in healthcare and other situations, and then because of evolutions and changes in the virus became false, and they refused to update their guidance and admit that things had changed. When it comes to Hunter Biden, things never changed. It was always true that it was real, and they lied the whole time. And the members of the media and the press corps, the White House, politicians across America, and deep thinkers want to know why so many Americans believe the conspiracy theorists. Because half of the conspiracy theories have become true. Yeah, it absolutely does turn out at this point that at some point into the virus, not at the beginning, but at some point after the government started paying hospitals bonuses for COVID deaths, that hospitals started treating even suicides as COVID deaths. Now, I'm being somewhat facetious there, but you know the story. Oh, person put a bullet in his in his head, uh, but he tested positive for COVID. Let's treat it as a COVID death. This is the sort of absurdity we're dealing with. You can't, you cannot have a stable society when the experts, the technocrats, and the politicians are so intent on lying. But you can also not have a stable society when the experts, the technocrats, and the politicians aren't willing to acknowledge change. Because it is also very true that there are times where situations changed. There are things about COVID and the COVID vaccine, the virus and the like now, 
that are different from when it first started. For the first several rounds of COVID, the vaccine proved very useful. As COVID exists now, as it has evolved, the vaccine's not very useful. The Biden administration is back in court trying to argue that they should be allowed to mandate masks again on airplanes. At this point, unless they're going to put us all in well-fitted N95 masks and respirators, there is no point. I was one of the original advocates of, yeah, let's, let's wear the mask, give them the benefit of the doubt. At this point, there is no doubt, unless you're wearing an N95 mask, and even then it's doubtful, it doesn't work. And by the way, there is no evidence of exposure on airplanes, even without masks, going back to the origin, origin of COVID. Because the airflow on airplanes is so good, it's better than a lot of surgical centers. So an airplane is like the safest place on the planet to be without a mask when there's anything spreading. But it really all does go back to control, doesn't it? The Defense Intelligence Agency Deputy Director, he didn't want Donald Trump to get back in office, so he was willing to lie to sign his name to a letter he knew wasn't true that the Hunter Biden laptop story was complete disinformation. Dr. Fauci has been willing to obfuscate and dance around difficult facts to try to compel you to change behaviors in ways he wanted while at the same time uh, trying to avoid having to grapple with the fact that COVID was more likely than not a uh, accidental release from a lab in China, the lab leak hypothesis. Uh, remember that uh, the New York Times was up in arms and people were calling Tom Cotton racist, the senator from Arkansas, for suggesting it. And at this point, it's the working theory globally. The Europeans, Asian communities, the United States, Canada, like, yep, probably an accidental leak from a lab. Probably not intentional given what happened in China. But, yeah, absolutely. Came from a lab. Originally, they told us it was racist to say that. And then there's this story. Separate out, separated out from all of that, the Consumer Product Safety Commission. It's not just coming after gas stoves. There is a company in Oklahoma founded by Jamie and Clyde Leach. They manufacture something called the Podster. It's a lounge pillow for infants. The pillow has sides that cut babies to keep them in place. Over 180,000 have been sold. In 2015, a daycare worker broke state law and the daycare center's rules by leaving an infant unattended in a podster for over an hour and a half. In 2018, two parents accidentally smothered their baby in bed while co-sleeping. Both of the infants died in the podsters. They were placed in the podsters for longer than they should have been and without supervision. When you get a podster, you cannot avoid seeing the warning signs not to leave your child unattended. And the Consumer Product Safety Commission has urged consumers to stop using podsters. The Consumer Product Safety Commission has 
begun administrative proceedings against Leachco, the company. They've acknowledged that uh, adults improperly used these Podster pillowcases. It's never been advertised as a sleep product. But the Consumer Product Safety Commission decides they wanted to shut the company down anyway from selling a product that two people used, two different people used wrongly, leading to two infant deaths. And that's it, only two infant deaths. And yet they want to be, the Consumer Product Safety Commission wants to put them out of business. The Consumer Product Safety Commission wants to ban gas stoves and the media says, oh, it's right-wingers making this a culture war issue. No, the hell it's not. All of these stories are related by this, whether it's COVID or the Hunter Biden laptop story or the Consumer Product Safety Commission. The technocrats and the elite are liars. And they will tell lies to get us to conform our behavior. They will tell lies to punish us and silence us. They are in bed with a corporate media that elevates their lies over the truth to control us. Members of the press corps wring their hands and wonder why are so many Americans enthralled by conspiracy theories, by crazy people on the internet who tell them things they want to hear, by disinformation and misinformation, by lies and conspiracies, and it's because you can't trust the experts. You can't trust the technocrats. They constantly are being exposed for their lies. They're constantly being exposed for trying to use their power to silence other people. They're constantly being exposed. And if you can't believe the people you're supposed to be able to believe, the nonpartisan experts and technocrats, because they've been exposed as partisan liars in advance of their own agenda to control you, of course you're going to go looking for voices that tell you what you want to hear and affirm your worldview. Last point. No, Tam, the notice to airmen, or I'm sorry, notice to air mission system. No, Tam crashed. The entire aviation fleet of America was shut down and kept on the ground because the NOTAM system crashed. And Pete Buttigieg wants you to believe it was a software hardware error. And the very next day, the same thing happened in Canada. The Canadians, however, did not ground every plane in Canada. And the Canadians want you to be assured that, no, no, it is a coincidence And it's also a software hardware for no hack, no sign of a hack. By the way, the same thing, if you've listened to Tucker Carlson, he pointed out at the beginning of January, the same thing happened in the Philippines. It's a coincidence that the American and the Canadian system all had the exact same problem in less than 24 hours. Really? We're supposed to believe it's a hardware software system? Maybe it actually was. But given the propensity to lie, by public officials these days to either control us or prevent us from becoming alarmed about their failures, how can you believe anything the government says anymore? It's contributing to the rise of misinformation and disinformation because they themselves refuse to be honest with us across the board on every topic.
The weather outside might be frightful, but in your bed, you've got super soft bowl and branch sheets to sleep under. They'll keep you comfortable. They're just the perfect weight. Summer, winter, fall, spring, the perfect weight, and they get softer every wash. And right now, with the weather so cold outside, you want to just be snuggled up inside. They're the perfect sheets under which you and your loved one can snuggle. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlinBranch.com. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L. A-N-D-Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Bullet Branch sheets are the perfect 100% organic cotton threads that get softer every wash. Not only do they get softer every wash, but they, the drape across your body is just perfect. I really enjoy mine. We've got them now on multiple beds in the house. We've just kept buying them because they're so soft. And every wash, they get softer. And right now, get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code ERIC. All right, I begin this segment by acknowledging I am no expert. I, I like to watch and observe, particularly with friends, but I, I'm I'm not a stats guy. I never have been when it comes to sports. But Tom Brady, I played you his clip earlier. He's not sure whether he's going to retire or not. He retired and came back a few weeks later, and then his marriage broke up. Um, He had a weird leave of absence from his training camp and the worst regular season record of his career at 45 years old. I'm a little sensitive to this one because the age thing too there, but he posted some of the worst metrics of his career. Now I, I got to tell you, um, so in all candor and honesty, again, I'm, I'm not a stats guy, but I watched the games and I have genuinely felt like watching the NFL this season that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady uh, have both spent their year almost recoaching their teams. If that makes sense to you, I mean, Aaron Rodgers in particular, and I've got a vested interest in him being an owner of the Green Bay Packers, that he, yeah, don't you love how I dropped that? <laughs> being an owner of the Green Bay Packers, anybody can be. Um, it just really seemed like uh, Aaron Rodgers was re-coaching his team on the field in real time, that he's a very good quarterback. And you could tell he had some bad games, but a lot of it was he was surrounded by players who just weren't up to speed and, and weren't up to par. And uh, there was a bit of that with Brady as well, though Brady and his coach, if rumors are to be believed, completely clashed. And he was very resentful of the coach. And uh, he started to hate being on the on the Bucks, but at the same time also felt like his team around him was not up to the performance that it should be. And I just give me one more year, Tom Brady. If you suck this second year or not, put yourself out to pasture. But it just seemed like there was, it was the, the team itself, not just you. And it just, I don't know, to come back and go out on such a low note, just give yourself one more year to see if you can get up to speed. Hi there, it's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I, I just, re real quickly, I, I have a, a a running bit, I guess you could say, where it's, it's funny, but also I'm somewhat serious on the Episcopalian church. I have a number of friends, including the uh, current governor of the state of Georgia, who are Episcopalians, and I always tend to joke and needle them about um, there are Christians and there are Episcopalians. 
Oh, it drives some of my friends in who are Episcopalians very angry. Some of them, though, they they get the joke. Um, there's a a story of a a pastor that has circulated from New York, uh, where his church he was an Episcopalian priest, and his congregation decided they could not go further in the Episcopal Church because of uh, the gay, lesbian, transgender issues within the Episcopalian Church in America. So they became Anglican and were immediately had their church taken over by the Episcopal Diocese there. They offered to buy the building from the Episcopal Church. Instead, the Episcopal Church decided to sell the building at half the price the congregation was willing to pay for its own building. The Episcopal Church decided to sell it for half the price to a Muslim congregation uh, and get rid of the Anglicans. And interestingly enough, the Catholic archdiocese in New York had uh, consolidated a diocese there and had an empty building that was larger than their facility and gave them the building for half the appraised price. So the Catholics stepped up to help the Anglicans in a way the Episcopalians decided to instead help the Muslims. It's just an interesting story. Uh, I had it in the stack of stuff and just, I, I wanted to mention it in large part because uh, this, this growing secular intolerance in the country. Now, I want to be very careful in how I approach the subject. This is not my theological time on the radio. I think we have to acknowledge to a degree that there was a time in this country, and to some degree, and in some parts of this country still are, people of faith who are largely intolerant of people who don't aren't on the faith program. I know people, listen, I know people like I've got friends of mine who are very adamant that my Catholic friends are going to hell, which is kind of funny because uh, so when I was a freshman at Mercy University, had a roommate, my roommate uh, who at the time was engaged to my wife's roommate. That's how my wife and I met. Our roommates were engaged to each other. About two weeks into college, we're at this Baptist school. Per, I should use air quotes for Mercer, Baptist in air quotes school. And my college roommate, he was on the bottom bunk. I was on the top bunk. And he kept kicking the mattress. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And he kept kicking my mattress, raising the mattress until I woke up. And I said, "What? what are, what's going on? And he says, I just, I've been laying here thinking. And I want you to know, I think we could be really good friends. But I need you to know before we start this friendship that since you're not Catholic, you are going to go to hell. He wound up leaving his fiance for a man. Um, <laughs> See, I think it started by went to FSU and then decided he was gay. I, I, I we lost track of each other. Um, I just, I, it, it was very funny, uh, and to this day, it cracks me up. He also thought I was in the CIA. Um, it, it was very funny, but I, I, I know this in this level of intolerance in the South and religious communities, uh, many of my Protestant friends, Baptists and Presbyterians, Methodists are convinced all my Catholic friends are going to hell, uh, Mary worship and all that y'all, y'all, y'all know the, the stigmas. Um, but, and there are people who are very, very intolerant of those who don't share their religious views, but increasingly the new intolerance of this country is coming from a secularism that is driven in part, I think, by resentment 
that they felt that uh, Christian culture in this country was dominant for so long that uh, through their resentment of that, they now want to impose their secularism as opposed to, and this, by the way, I think this gives the lie to intersectionalism. I, I, I really do think it gives the lie to intersectionalism. It, it, not to repeat myself, but I have to. So in intersectionalism, this postmodern idea, uh, if you're a, a white heterosexual male, you're like at the top of the oppressor chart. And if you're the exact opposite of that, if you're a, a black transgender female atheist with a handicap, you are the most oppressed in society. And intersectionalism teaches us that the most oppressed have the moral authority to speak into society and the most oppressive must shut up. And they talk about subverting the dominant paradigm, subverting the dominant paradigm. That's what they wish to do is subvert the dominant paradigm. The, the oppressor must be made to shut up and the oppressed must be given the power to speak. And power comes through language, and we must redefine language, and you see this the way the left operates. And the theory of how we get peace in our times is that when the oppressed rise to the level of the oppressor, and the oppressor descends to the level of the oppressed by subverting the dominant paradigms and conversations, then we will have peace in our times because the oppressed, having been oppressed, will not oppress the oppressor. I think the rise of secularism in this country shows this isn't true. The secular atheists of this country have for a long time, the, the Christian left and the like, they for a long time thought that they have been oppressed by the dominant paradigm being the Christianization of America, the, the puritanical work ethic, the puritan work ethic, the, the puritanical elite, the Baptists and Presbyterians in charge of everything, the Christian rule of this country, the, the, the uh, Christ of fascist theocracy, as they would call it. And now they believe they're ascended and look at what they're doing. There's no peace in our times. It's, it's um, you guys now must do it our way. Your child must be compelled to go to the drag show. You don't like the drag show? You're a bigot. How dare you? We're going to bring it to your local library, and you're not going to be able to stop us. That kind of shows this whole intersectional idea of peace in our times by the oppressed rising up to the level of the oppressor is, is you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. We're, we're, we're seeing the hostility. When an Episcopal church throws out their members who have decided they want to be Anglican and hands the church over to the Muslims instead of allowing the Anglicans to stay there, you, you, you get a sense of the, this um, hostility and bigotry and, dare I say, persecution of Christians in America. It's, it's growing. It's not something coming. It's growing in the Mall of the Americas over the weekend. Someone walked into the mall and was wearing a shirt that says, Jesus saves. The mall security told him he couldn't wear that shirt in the mall. It The language on the shirt preached an exclusivity of Christianity, that, that uh, only Jesus saves. And they told the guy he wasn't welcome in the mall anymore. He had to leave unless he took his shirt off. And then there's this. Uh, this is from The Advocate. It's on Yahoo News, but from The Advocate, the, the gay publication. 
And it's essentially a, a screed against Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy won a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts. He helmed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers during his 13-year coaching career. He entered the NFL Hall of Fame in 2016. If you follow football, you know Dungy is now a noted NFL broadcaster and analyst with NBC. But it is what you don't know about him that will make your blood boil. Dungy is no friend of the gay community. Dungy, quote, established himself as possibly the most publicly anti-gay person in at least the recent history of the NFL, raising money to fight against same-sex marriage and since then publicly decrying the homosexuality of gay athletes and partnering with rabidly anti-gay organizations and individuals. Their uh, anti-gay organizations and individuals would be um, Christians. Christians. Tony Dungy is friends with Christian, Orthodox, Bible-believing Christian pastors, and so now he is anathema. This this is part of this is part of what it is. Uh, Dungy might be the nicest guy in the world, but extolling and magnifying hate speech, which he is doing, is life-threatening. He is probably one of those people who says, "Hate the sin, love the sinner." But in his complicit and outward condoning of anti-LGBTQ plus hate speech, Dungy proves he doesn't love the sinner, but rather abhors harbors violent wishes against the sinner. He might be aghast at hearing this, but he shouldn't be. Um, there is no level of tolerance on the left for those they consider were once the oppressor. You, you see how this intersectionalism, it, it, it collides with reality. The theory of how you get justice is you take the oppressor, bring the oppressed to his level, neutralize each other, and you have peace. Except what we see here in this piece here is, is Tony Dungy is now anathema because he's an openly Bible-believing, professing Christian. There can be no tolerance, according to these people, for tolerating anyone who practices what they believe is intolerance. There can be no coexistence without co-opting. And I think that heads us as a nation probably to a rather bad place. There's this growing sense among people I know that the United States is on the verge of a crack up. And, and I'm starting to think maybe that's true because it does seem more and more that people in the United States of America simply don't like each other anymore. And you, you've got on the right a strain of people who actually are starting very subtly to praise communist China. And the reason they're starting to praise communist China is because the communist Chinese government imposes a moral order on its citizens. And, and they essentially are suggesting that this should happen here. But for that to happen here, you must give up the republic. There can be no more elections because there's no such permanent, there's nothing permanent in American politics. Things change. There's no permanent political majority. There are people on the left who don't like the fact that uh, your conservative state can do its own thing and they can't impose their will. Everybody wants Washington to impose their will. Nobody wants to leave anybody alone. I think I'm the last person to just want to tell everybody, leave each other alone. 
talking to my buddy Josh Hammer yesterday. He's one of the editorial uh, page editors at Newsweek. He does a podcast, and uh, he was asking me a question about uh, the current arguments within conservatism. And I said, Josh, I'm, I'm on these email lists and Slack chats with people who hate your guts. And then the other half of the people who are on the email, they, they, they hate those people's guts. And it's just a constant fight back and forth between each other who agree on like 80% of things. But it's that 20% they so vociferously disagree with, they just hate each other. I'm like, I, I like all of them. I, I feel like I can learn from all sides. I can learn from the arguments of, of the new right, the old right, the I write, even some people on the left, I think we're all made in the image of God. We should be able to learn something from each other just from that. But there's not a level of tolerance anymore. And, and as we have more practitioners of intersectionalism in this country, beyond the right as well, there are people who that they, they want to, the, the identity politics people of the right, there are growing movement of people on the right who are all based on identity politics. And it's the identity politics people. If you just embrace identity, it's like the people yesterday who insisted that, no, no, Martin Luther King really didn't mean what he said about judge people by the content of their character. He really actually does want you to take into account the color of people's skin. These intersectional woke types on the left and the right, there will be no peace in our times with these people. They just want to perpetuate a fight. The ones who have been losing, though, suddenly think they're winning, and they're just as savage as they believe the people who were winning were. Maybe if we just left each other alone to live our lives as we see fit, we actually could keep the country together. But uh, there doesn't seem to be an appetite to do that anymore, is there? I mean, you and I may have that, but when you listen to the loudest voices online and on TV, it seems like everybody wants to impose their worldview on everyone else instead of just saying, yeah, I disagree with you, but you're still my neighbor. And if we can't say I disagree with you, but you're still my neighbor. There's really no point in us staying together in this federal republic. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Phone number 877-973-7425. I got time for one more phone call. Let's go to Sandy. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Hi there, Eric. Um, I had a quick question about the topic you were just discussing about the the division. I mean, it's it's in everything, like from faith and and people who of different faiths or or a Christian faith, but but maybe you know slightly different, and and especially in politics. But I just wonder, do you think that it's being more on broad, you know, broadcast through mainstream media channels and and even social media because people kind of want to have a platform, want to have a cause. But on day-to-day, because I, I feel like day-to-day, I, I have plenty of friends who, who have different faiths, different political positions, and we can still talk about things, certain things maybe not, or we are very careful not to be, um, you know, not to discuss certain hot topics. But I feel like people can get along still. Yeah, you know, that, that's actually a really good point because at the local level, uh, we all have, for most of us, have friends who we don't see eye to eye with on politics. It is so amplified on social media and in the media itself, uh, in, in the political mm-hmm. press. Uh, they try to play up the divisions. And if if we all yeah. got offline, I think we would actually, as a country, be willing to exist together more. There is a deep-seated intolerance in parts of the country, and they get voice on social media and in the press uh, because by and large, I do think a lot of the members of the press of the Upper Eastern Seaboard 
share that intolerance of, of people who aren't like them, people who are uh, in Florida or Georgia flyover country. They're Christians and, and they, they, they find them icky. They don't like them. They're that they believe you worship in this imaginary sky God and you're all a bunch of conservative hicks. I, I think they, I think they do believe that, but they're the minority and online they feel like a majority and it allows them to give into their inner vice and hatred uh, to break up the country. But I, I and again, this goes back to uh, my favorite passage of scripture in Jeremiah, seek the welfare of the community, community in which you live there. You'll find your welfare that if all of us stopped worrying so much about California, if we don't live there or Washington DC, if we don't live there and just focused on our backyard, I think the whole country would be better off uh, if we didn't have this sick obsession with Californians and Californians have with Texans and Texans with Floridians and the like. Just worry about what's going on in your backyard and we'll all make the country better for everybody uh, by being a good neighbor to each other. And, uh, you know, it's it's like the uh, who's your neighbor in Scripture. It, it, it very much is not just my immediate next-door neighbor. It's the people in my community. It's the people in my country. Um, and we've got to find a way to work with each I, I continue to believe we are stronger as a nation, all of us together, even with our differences. And I really more so today than ever am far more hesitant to say someone who disagrees with me politically is evil or my enemy. There are people who I think are, but I think the default now is to presume the majority are. And I don't think that's the case. I think people just have different ideas on what's best for them and the nation. And we, through the democratic processes of the country, through our voting, get to decide and we win or we lose, but that doesn't make the other side my enemy. I think they're wrong. Uh, I, I, I think they're gonna screw things up, but they're not my enemy, they're just a political opponent. And we listed there are too many voices on the left and the right these days who are incentivized to try to make you think the other side in totality is your enemy and they really aren't. They're just people who want to do things differently. Some of them are, but not the majority, as some on TV and radio would have you believe. We got to get along, people.